I'm Steve Denise and welcome to The Bookstash, a podcast where I chat with fantasy author Asher Oldfield about reading, writing and everything in between. So I've been a little bit naughty this week. I haven't been reading. I cheated. I watched a DVD of The Hollow Crown, which is Shakespeare. So that's that's like reading, right? I hope you had a notepad in your hand, otherwise Stephen King won't be pleased. I did. So All right. for those listeners at home, Stephen King says that watching TV is not research. If it's research, you have a notebook and a pen with you and you're taking notes. And I did. So you're on good behaviour? I'm, I'm on good behaviour. So I was watching Henry IV, which is one of uh, Shakespeare's historical plays, and I was watching it as research for father-son relationships because a lot of Henry IV is about Prince Hal and his relationship with his father and also with his, I guess, chosen father figure of Falstaff, okay. who is an absolute disgrace of a, of a man. <laughs> so I watched that. Then I listened to a podcast by Oxford University about the character of Falstaff, the disgrace of the man that I was talking about, and then went down a rabbit warren tunnel of literary devices that Shakespeare used. So it wasn't what I originally set out to do. Okay. But it was great. I had a good time. All right. So I guess looking into that stuff, um, what did you learn? So in listening to the podcast, Mm -hmm. It helped me break down a little bit of the Shakespeare's languages and I learned about a literary technique called copiousness that Shakespeare used quite a lot in his prose. So Henry IV was more of a prose than it was poetry. Yeah. So, because he's known for his sonnets and his poems. So Shakespeare's more known for his poetry and his sonnets, but his, Henry IV is, has much more prose. So regular everyday language, not not rhyming, nothing flowery. Yep. But he uses this literary technique called copiousness. Mm-hmm. So copiousness is repetitive. So okay. it's constantly repeating your point. There was a thought at the time that this was a very powerful force for persuasion. So they used lots of synonyms for bigger effect. So I'll just, I did write down one of my favourite ones that I watched this scene quite a few times. You may have seen me, I was YouTubing it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So- This is the character Jack Falstaff, and he says, but for sweet Jack Falstaff, kind Jack Falstaff, true Jack Falstaff, valiant Jack Falstaff, and therefore more valiant, being as he is old Jack Falstaff, banish not him thy Harry's company, banish not him thy Harry's company, banish plump Jack and banish all the world. So you can see that there's lots of descriptions for Jack and that use of that banish, banish, banish. So this was a literary technique that Shakespeare used for great effect and I think it really worked. If you watch um, The Hollow Crown, the actor that portrays Falstaff in that is just incredible and when he's doing that scene, you actually kind of feel something. He's this arrogant pig of a man but you actually kind of feel sorry for him in that moment. Um, But later, and so by the late late 16th century, this technique was actually hugely distrusted. It was called eloquence and you were considered insincere if you did this. So it sort of actually very long time ago fell out of popularity. Yeah, right. So a lot of people used it in an inappropriate way and eventually became untrustworthy. I think it was considered arrogant maybe. So they stopped doing that. But I still think I want to play around with it. So nowadays what do you think it does in writing? Like what do you think it achieves? I think it draws attention to the thing you're trying to 
make yeah. a point about. But I don't think it's something you could use very often, I think, once mm. or twice per book. It's something that, you know, Haruki Murakami? Yeah. He uses copiousness, now that yeah. I think about it, which is that, you know, the thing you and I talk about, mm. we get quite frustrated sometimes where it's a whole page of him making his meal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I... It's that repetition yeah. and theme as well. Yeah, exactly. Cool, okay. Um, are there any other takeaways you got from watching... Hollow Crown or the podcast? Oh, man, Shakespeare, he was just the master. I hated Shakespeare when I was at school. And then when I watched The Hollow Crown, it made me fall in love with Shakespeare's works mm. all over again. So I've actually, the character Falstaff was so popular. He was supposed to be like the villain. He's actually an antagonist. Yeah. But he was so popular at the time that when Shakespeare did part two, which he hadn't intended on doing a part two, they don't think, but when he went back to do a part two, he had to somehow bring Falstaff back into it. So he had dealt with that and Falstaff was sort of pushed to one side, but then he was brought back into the fold later. And uh, there's The Merry Wives of Windsor, which is one of the comedies rather than a history play. I found out that has Falstaff in it. So um, that's my next read. I'm going to read The Merry Wives of Windsor. So you turn from a villain, one-off villain to a recurring character. <laughs> yeah, he's a recurring character. Because I found out that Shakespeare was the only playwright really of that era that knew the actors that were going to play the part. Okay. The other playwrights were freelancers. So they would write and then try to sell the play to a playhouse. Yep. Shakespeare had his own theatre So company. Shakespeare would write for the actor. So, yes, exactly. Yeah, so he okay. had specific actors in mind. Yeah, so cool. he, he actually never used to describe the characters. Very, very few of his characters were, had any descriptions about them at all. Falstaff, though, was one of the few that was very, very closely described. So I do wonder who that actor was because he was <laughs> fat and white-haired and... He just was not an attractive man. So I do kind of wonder who that actor was. There's that always he was an actor for every role. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, we'll move on to the topic for this podcast. So um, every episode, Ash, you have a tip for our fellow writers for something they can do in their writing to I help try improve to. their craft. I try to. What have you got for us this time? I've been thinking about writer's block. Do you know how you just sometimes cannot put those words on the page? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I struggle to start a chapter. So you've ended a scene, you've ended a chapter, you walk away, brush your hands, job well done, come back the next day, and because you've finished what you'd started, it's hard to start something new. Mm -hmm. So I have a technique that I use to break myself out of that rut to yep. start something fresh. So say I want to start chapter five. Yep. I'll pull a book of the same genre off the shelf, open it up to chapter five, and I'll copy down the first five sentences. I'll just write them word for word. Then I analyze it and say, what's the point of sentence one? Mm -hmm. Okay, sentence one is telling us who the character is. Yep. Sentence two, oh, that's setting the mood. Sentence three, that's setting the scene. So I'll figure out what every single of one of those sentences, what their purpose is. Then I will start chapter five. So so if sentence one is setting up who's who's the character in this scene, I'll then write a sentence setting up my character. If sentence two is setting the mood, I'll then write a sentence to set the mood. And I find that by the time I'm up to sentence three, sentence four, I've found my flow again and I'm writing and the whole scene flows quite naturally. And then when you edit, obviously you edit out those first sentences. So you, you're not copying somebody else's work. It becomes your own work once you've edited it and changed it and merged and cut things out and it all 
it works itself out in post. <laughs> but so that's my one of my favourite techniques for that beginning of a new scene or a new chapter, writer's block. Countering the enemy of a writer, a blank page. Well, a blank page is the worst possible thing. I think Roald Dahl said that he used to stop halfway down a page. Yeah, so when he, he came back he had... Yeah, he never, ever, ever came back to a blank page. Yep. That can be really hard to do. When, you're, <laughs> when you've finished a really good scene, you just go, yes, I am a genius, and you walk <laughs> away and you don't want to keep writing. But, and you should never stop when you're stuck. But, again, that's really hard to do. So just make a habit of writing that next sentence just before you put the pen down. Writing, stopping while you're still excited. Yep, yep. Don't stop when you're stuck. That's not my advice. That's Roald Dahl's advice. I've stolen that. Nice. Mm. All right. So an important part of the podcast as well as telling people what to do is that you <laughs> tell us <laughs> telling what people doing, what to do. <laughs> how you've been keeping your book on speed, up to speed. So the accountability part of the podcast, Ash, what have you been doing? Oh, what have I been doing? I I've been reading Shakespeare. I'm trying to figure out, I think I've mentioned before, I'm trying to figure more out about my antagonists Mm -hmm. and um, their motivations. So the whole reason actually that I was watching Henry IV is because my antagonist has a relationship with his father, with his father figure and his mother. And they're both very complex relationships, very individual relationship with each and both very complex. So I have been sorting those out. Yep. I have written a piece of dialogue between father and son that watching Shakespeare got me in the mood for a father chastising his son. Awesome. And then I sat down and I wrote that dialogue between father and son and it made me want to cry. Well, that's a so good that's sign. So that's good. Yeah. A little, yeah. a little bit an emotional moment. It's good. So I am feeling quite lazy at the moment because I'm not sitting down. You know, I usually sit down and write a book from start to finish and I'm doing it in drips and drabs at the moment, which isn't like me. But I think once I've got these characterizations set, then I can start writing in earnest. Yeah, awesome. So hopefully next time you ask me what I'm doing, I can say, oh, I wrote a chapter or... At least a scene, not just, oh, I wrote a piece of dialogue. <laughs> awesome. Okay, good. Well, all right. So we end the podcast with a writing prompt for our budding writers and our, well, writers budding and experienced alike. So just to recap again, for anyone who doesn't remember, a writing prompt is uh, basically a guide for something to write to help you get rid of that blank page, maybe break through some writer's block, good exercise if you're getting stuck. Uh, So, Ash, what have you got for everyone this time? You're not going to be happy with this. Oh. I ripped this off from you. (laughs) So you were not listening to me. You had your headphones on. You weren't really paying attention to what I was saying. And I said to you, oh, what's the writing prompt we can do for this week? And you're like, what? What? I I don't know. I, oh, oh, something with a badger in it. (laughs) So that is our writing prompt. It's you. You set this. You can't blame me for this. I asked you. That is the gold that you gave me. Something with a badger in it. Something with a badger in it. And I don't know what that something is. I really look forward to finding out. Yeah, that sounds exciting. So, all right. So from my random, not paying attention properly, conversational points. So everybody at home, you can blame Steve for this writing prompt. You need to tell him he needs to listen to me more. Okay. Wow. (laughs) So a lesson in this writing prompt, you have to badger me into paying more attention. Yep. 
Eh? <laughs> All right. Okay, so we look forward to seeing what you guys are writing. Um, Don't forget to send these to us as well. If you think you've written a really good piece based on these writing prompts, or if you have suggestions for writing prompts, oh yeah, we want to hear your writing know. prompt suggestions. All right, guys, Ash has given you a lot to think about. What's your What's your Shakespeare's? If you're researching with a TV Hollow show, Hollow Crown. I could not recommend that show enough. <laughs> the first series. I didn't like the second series as much. There you go. From the horse's mouth. And if you're watching TV shows, do like Stephen King says and make sure you have a notepad and take notes. Um, oh, maybe we can do an episode on Stephen King's advice. Could be a good future one. If you're getting stuck with writer's block, hopefully Ash has given you some good tips to break through that. Just avoid those blank pages and keep writing when you're on a roll. Don't leave yourself hanging. Um We've seen that you're all accountable for everything and you're moving forward slowly, but surely, hopefully, we'll get something a bit more concrete next time, Ash. Well, I'm moving forward, right? That's that's all you got to do, one step in front of the other. That's true. One and, foot in front of the other. And we're looking forward to everyone's Badger stories. So until next time, keep reading, keep writing, and uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.